Hey, what's up and welcome to the HorrorCast. Uh, we are a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss all things horror, horror movie reviews, uh, new releases, and all kinds of things. I am one of your hosts tonight, Mark Nado. Uh, I am really, really excited about this episode. This is one of these episodes that um, I get to do my lists. Uh, I love lists. We, we, uh, you, if you listen to this uh, podcast, you know this. I, lo- I love making lists. I know uh, the guys that we have on tonight love making lists and sharing with you. Uh, and tonight with us, we have, as always, Revenant Vin. What's up, Revenant Vin? Hey, what's up, Mark? Uh, yeah, we, we had talked before we actually started recording before. Um, I felt a little bit more inadequate than <laughs> what you had to offer with this. You but uh, I, I think I still got a, a decent list um, of things that people, I'm sure they've heard of, but things that I think are are at least uh, definitely worth checking out. Maybe they have not talked about nearly as much anymore. Yes. All right. You're not inadequate. You're, you're, you bring a lot to the table, pal, more than Thanks. me. So, all right. And also joining us is Mr. Venom. What's up, Mr. Venom? Hello, Mark Nato. Hello, Revenant Ven. Hello, listeners. I hope everyone's doing well tonight. Yes, I am very excited. This, I, I, I was actually really excited when you asked me to be on this, Mark, because this is a subject that, uh, I kind of hold near and dear. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm an expert on underwatched and underappreciated horror, but there's always that situation where there's a movie that I love and I'm not sure if people have seen it. So, I mean, this is going to be a great opportunity to get those get those titles out to the listeners and hopefully open some eyes and get some horror fans to appreciate some, uh, you know, underappreciated fare. Yes, and, and I definitely wanted you on here because I know – uh, you watch a lot of horror. You've seen a lot of horror. Uh, you got a lot of horror cred. So <laughs> I, I know that there will be uh, some stuff that is going to be mentioned tonight that some people will be like, hmm, I need to check that out. Never heard of that. Um, so with that said, tonight is our list of, and by the way, not a top 10 list, but just 10 movies from each of us. And by the way, we've got lots more than that, okay? You're going to get a lot of movies, um, so get your pen and paper, your iPad, or your what, your notes um, ready, because you're going to want to jot down some uh, titles of movies as we go through. These are movies that are, for lack of a better term, we feel are underseen, underappreciated, uh, and, and some of these we think you guys as horror fans maybe have not even ever heard of. Uh, there is a reason why we're doing this. Um, one, so I can get my list fix in. But two is because I am one of those guys that I scroll through Facebook or, uh, you know, uh, Twitter or whatever. And, and I, you get those, those articles, you know, hey, 10 horror movies you've never heard of. And I click on this happened just last week and, mm-hmm. and, I, and I offended somebody and I'm sorry. Um, it was on another, uh, podcast board and i shouldn't uh, i shouldn't open my big, my big mouth but you know i click on this thing and it's like you know what are some of these great nuggets they're going to give me and it's going to be like the babadook uh you know stuff like everybody who i believe is a horror fan knows about i mean but then i gotta realize i'm a little bit more obsessed with it than 
you know, some of our listeners and some other listeners and some other people on Facebook, uh, you know, so I can't be, you know, I can't be a horror snob. So I need to stop that. So I apologize if I come across uh, that way sometimes. But I just want people to know, you know, there's so much more out there than what a lot of these lists and stuff that you get on, you know, uh, I don't know if movie pilot and BuzzFeed and all this stuff that comes. It's just not, you know, there's even been some uh, horror websites that have put lists out and I just roll my eyes. I'm like, what? What? Oh, what? Henry Portrait of Serial Killer? That's a (laughs) hidden gem. No, no, it's not. Okay. So, and I did want to make a disclaimer that uh, a lot of these movies, these are our opinions. Okay. Some people might not like these movies. Some people may like, oh, I've heard of that. That's no good. Okay. This is all subjective. But what we would like to say is we would love for you to check these out. Just give them a shot. That's what we feel like all the movies that we are going to mention deserve a watch. Okay. So, with that said, guys, uh, let's just get into it, okay? Let's just get into the list, and I'm going to uh, have um, Mr. Venom uh, kick it off with his first movie. All right. Well, the first movie I wanted to talk about today is actually a classic. Um, I wanted I wanted to talk about some older films on the list. Not too old. I'm not going into silent film era by any stretch but i wanted to talk about some underappreciated films you know from the 60s and 70s that i feel like maybe a lot of 20 something year old horror fans maybe haven't had an opportunity to experience or maybe they just you know because i know a lot of new movie fans not just horror fans but movie fans in general have an aversion to kind of watching black and white films so i do have a couple of those on my list and it, it they're actually some of the more popular films. I mean, they're not. It's it's not quite Psycho or Night of the Living Dead by any stretch, but these are movies that received some critical acclaim when they first were released, and it, I just feel like it's something that needs to be experienced by all horror movie fans. So sorry, I'm getting long winded. So just to start, uh, the first movie I want to talk about is from 1961, and that is The Innocents, oh, yes. uh, di- directed by Jack Clayton. Uh, written by Henry James and John Mortimer, starring Deborah Kerr, the Oscar-winning Deborah Kerr. Not for this film, but for other projects. Also starring Peter Wingard and Megs Jens- uh, Jenkins. Excuse me. Uh, this is the story of um, two uh, kids whose uh, f- uh, is it their father or their uncle? Ah, oh, it's been so long since I've watched it. But basically, they're under the care of a male family member who's always on the road, so mm-hmm. he's not he's not always home. So he has to hire a full time nanny, and that of course is Mrs. Deborah Kerr, who comes in and becomes the full time nanny for these two children. And then, through various uh, different supernatural experiences uh, throughout, you know, the second act of the film. Uh, the nanny starts to believe that the children are actually possessed by the former owner of the house. And then the story goes along from there. But this is a, this is a movie that for a 1961 film with very little, if any special effects really does a really good job of ramping up tension, um, getting you to feel a genuine sense of dread, especially during some of the darker scenes where Deborah Kerr, the nanny is kind of sneaking around the house, trying to find out, you know, what is this sound that I heard? What is this sound that I heard? So it kind of mm-hmm. starts out 
it kind of starts out as a haunted house, as a traditional haunted house film, but then it moves on to a kind of sort of possession film. But uh, yeah, so that's the first movie on my list. That is The Innocence. Oh yeah, great movie, great movie. Creepy kids, you know. It's, mm. it's, uh, isn't it? Um, what's in that adaptation of? Is it? Oh, the, the, uh, the, the Turn of the Screw. Turn of the right. Screw. Yes, and I've been trying to get my hands on. Um, in 2010 or 11, there was a PBS made for TV uh, version of. Um, it wasn't called the Innocence. It was Turn of the Screw, but uh, uh, I've been. Any, that story intrigues me, so I'd like to see that. But that is a great movie, great black and white, uh, beautiful, beautiful movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Revenant Vin, bring one in. Uh, kind of like Jerry, I, I've got one that it's not obscure uh, at all, but I think that it was a victim of bad timing, um, and that's 1999 Stir of Echoes. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie came out after The Sixth Sense, uh, you know, and it. I think that it, even though they were made independent of each other, this film was seen by many as an attempt to market on the Sixth Sense success. You know, kind of a story involving clairvoyant kids and ghosts and things like that. And I think it got it got kind of unfairly written off. Um, it never really got a chance. Uh, but I think that people really need to return this one. It's a Richard Matheson based story, um, and it's. I think it's a really solid ghost movie with a stellar performance by Kevin Bacon. You know, he plays a guy who's basically uh, put under hypnosis um, and it kind of opens up this sixth sense in him and his performance is it's energetic and spontaneous and he brings a real pathos to the project and all the supporting players are also really good. Uh, plus it's a really good murder mystery and plays out in a kind of really tense, compelling climax. Um, and I, I think this deserves to be on a list of the best nineties horror films. Um, but Whenever you hear people talk about 90s horror, they almost never talk about it. Um, but I do think it's a film that deserves to be rewatched, uh, gone back to, and kind of get – it needs a little more respect and uh, attention than it got when it first came out. Yeah. Love a good ghost story, and that's what it is. Very good ghost story and uh, reaching out from uh, beyond the grave. Mm-hmm. Solve my murder. It's really good. All right, guys. Well, my first one is – <clears throat> a really low-budget movie from 2010 um, that uh, I'm sure you guys have probably heard of it, but some people might not have, and it's got two different names. comes from the U.K., and it's uh, directed by uh, Johannes Roberts. It's called F. Have you guys heard of it? I've heard of it. Yeah, I have not seen it. It's I have not seen it. F, uh, also known as The Expelled. Okay. This is a movie that the cover, it looks like something you would rent at Redbox. <laughs> something that, um, you know, they put out like kind of trying to be like something else and they just wanted to make a quick buck. But this is actually uh, a pretty decent, um, I guess you would call it a slasher, although it was, it's almost more of a, uh, a siege movie where there's a group of people inside of a school and people come in to attack them and and it follows a, a teacher and his daughter they're like at school after hours uh, for like detention and there's a few other people in the school after hours and i guess they call it the expelled they don't really ever you know explain what's going on but just a gang of murderous kids uh invade the school and kill people one by one 
Um, so, and you never see the, they're kind of masked. You never see their faces and it's, uh, there's some pretty decent gore in it. It was very, um, uh, very well done, very well acted. The music in it is really good. So I would recommend it. You you can, uh, rent it for a dollar 99 on Amazon prime. And I would, I would say that Mm. it's worth a dollar 99. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's F. And if you can't find it under just F, uh, it's the expelled. Nice. Very cool. Sorry, guys, my headphones popped out. All right, back to Mr. Venom. All right, the next movie on my list is actually a film by my all-time favorite director, and that is Guillermo del Toro. For those who know me know that I absolutely love everything he's ever done. Um, But I didn't really want to highlight any of his American films, his English language films, because obviously they're readily available. But uh, one movie of his that I wanted to point out to horror movie fans was uh, The Devil's Backbone. Uh, Mm -hmm. Once again, another ghost story. Um, This one is um, in Spanish, so you will have to watch some subtitles unless... You're lucky enough to find a dub version or unlucky enough to find a dub version, depending on how good the dub is. But, uh, yeah, this is basically a ghost story set around the Spanish Civil War of the early 1900s. Uh, the movie takes place at an orphanage of uh, kids who have been abandoned because their parents have either died in the war or have gone off to war. And it just it kind of evolves into a story of a child that died years earlier at that orphanage. And basically, it's just um, a lot of investigation trying to figure out is this the is this who's haunting us is you know what what's the reasoning behind it? So I mean, it's a just a solid solid ghost story. Not really a haunted house movie necessarily, even though yeah, I guess you can make the argument that the you know the ghost is stuck at the orphanage. But uh, for me, it's more than just a haunted house movie because I mean there are there are scenes outside the orphanage that still ramp up the tension. And once again, I mean, this is this is uh, just another example of a horror film where the human antagonists are way more dangerous than the supernatural antagonists in the film. So uh, just I can't recommend this movie enough. This is probably the film that got me to absolutely fall in love with Guillermo del Toro, his directing style, his, um, you know, his way with fantasy is just second to none. So, yeah, that's the devil's backbone. Nice. Yeah, good movie. Yeah, oh, not even good movie. Excellent, yeah. great yeah, great movie. And I will just say this: please don't watch it dubbed. No, uh, yeah, yeah. I would make the investment. Sit down, read the the subtitles. Hear the that's a general character. rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know there's a lot of uh, I know there's a lot of horror fans that have an aversion to yeah, reading yeah. subtitles for one reason or another. But ultimately. Watching it in its native language is always uh, the best bet for watching a horror film. Yeah, yeah. I'd say less than one percent of dubs are are worth watching at all. So, uh-huh. um, I remember when we watched um, Cold Prey. Oh my god, that dub was awful. It's a different movie. <laughs> it's a Completely. different experience. Oh, it really, really is. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, back to Revenant Vin. Uh, this next film, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not entirely sure where it sits as far as most horror fans are, uh, you know, even, even how well known it is. Cause I, I kind of got the impression that it was either dismissed or kind of disliked, uh, when it came out in 2013 and that's plus one, um, not the words plus and one. It's like the plus sign and the number one. 
mm-hmm. but it's it's a film that basically takes the setting of the kind of like teen sex party comedy, uh, the kind of movies that were popular in like the late nineties, mm-hmm. like you know like Can't Hardly Wait that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I can't call myself a big fan of those kind of movies, uh, but that kind of makes me like what this movie does to them, uh, because it kind of has this interesting spin where these party goers, you have your general stereotypes, but they begin to encounter their doppelgangers. And the, this is kind of classified as sci-fi, uh, in a way, but there's like no science to this. It might as well be magic. Um, but there, like, there's almost this time thing that happens, like after a certain amount of time, all of a sudden, like they're like there's a double that appears in them, and they start encountering them, and it starts dealing with like our preconceived notions and how we would feel about ourselves and whether we fear or embrace change, and it kind of starts dealing with all these things as these characters react very differently to seeing themselves. You know, some of them want to act violently, some of them end up embracing. It's it's a very interesting uh, dynamic that ends up occurring, and of course, it ends up turning mostly violent at the end, which is where the the horror kind of starts coming in. Um, but I think that this is, this is actually a really, a really cool film that I don't think a lot of people saw, or maybe they just didn't even give it a shot because they weren't sure exactly what they were getting into. But if that kind of thing sounds interesting to you, I definitely would recommend it. So that's, that's plus one from 2013. Yep. I agree. Good, good little movie that is overlooked, overlooked. Okay, back to me, back to me, and I'm going to go with a movie from 2011, actually was filmed in 2011, released in 2012 from the Philippines. That's right. Uh And and it's called The Road. Oh, very cool. Yeah, and The Road uh, not only has a really cool poster art, um, it's basically uh, about these uh, three teens on an old abandoned road. They go missing. and there's some gruesome murders that are undiscovered, uh, and they end up at a house, and just all kinds of um, uh, things come out. It, it, it's I don't want to ruin the movie for you. It's more of a, a crime drama with with a tinge of horror, but this movie is really well shot, well done, well acted, and no one ever, ever, ever talks about it uh, at all because who really ever watches horror movies from the Philippines, <laughs> but this one <laughs> definitely deserves uh, to be, to be watched. And again, this is another one. And I'll say this, uh, you got to read subtitles. You'll, you'll hear that from me um, a lot tonight. Cause um, more than half of mine are uh, foreign films. So that is the road from the Philippines. It's uh, rated R. So yeah, check it out. I'm not even sure where you can watch it. Um, and I'm not sure where I saw it. I saw it uh, several years ago, and I don't. It was on Netflix for a while. Was it on Netflix? Yeah, there there was a period where Netflix had a bunch of Southeast Asian horror films on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that they're really on there anymore, but yes. I remember seeing it on that. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. So, all right, back to Mr. Venom. All right, the next movie I wanted to talk about. Finally, uh, we get to an American film, a fairly modern film released in uh, October of 2008, and that is Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door. Um, I have two reasons for bringing this up. Um, the first sadder reason is uh, we recently lost Jack uh, Jack Ketchum. Uh, he passed away no more than two weeks ago as we record this. His real name was Dallas Meyer. 
And um, that, that was a huge loss because even though he didn't write a lot of books, the books that he wrote in the horror genre are absolute classics. I mean, The Girl Next Door, Open Season are just some of the most terrifying, gut-wrenching mm-hmm. uh, books that you can read. And uh, But speaking of The Girl Next Door, um, this film is it's a hard watch. It's one of those films that as a horror hound, a gore hound, as I consider myself, it's one of those movies that I like to challenge myself to watch. Now, I'm not going to say that it's particularly gory. It's just the mere fact that the torture scenes, mm-hmm. you know, are being conducted on a girl of, you know, maybe 14, 15, 16 years old. And it, the torture is just incessant. It just does not stop. Once it starts, it doesn't stop. There's very, it, it's, it's a relentless movie, almost mean spirited. But of course, the movie is the movie and book are based on a real life crime. So this actually did happen, where a girl was basically kidnapped and neighborhood kids and you know one adult female plus a bunch of neighborhood kids were basically holding her against her will, torturing her, and you know unfortunately uh, the the girl passed away uh, before she was able to get to the hospital. But um, yeah, this is one of those films that you know I, I tell people. If you have a strong constitution, maybe not necessarily a strong stomach, because like I said, it's not necessarily gore filled. It's just extremely painful to have to watch this. And Mm -hmm. this is a movie that I've only watched once. I don't know that I'll revisit it, though I do own the Blu-ray. It's just uh, this is this is a horror version of Requiem for a Dream. Just depressing, 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 but a gorgeous film. Very well shot, very well acted. Uh, the main girl's performance is stellar. I mean, you believe every every whimper, every cry that escapes from her lips, you, you, you buy into. And it just it tugs at your heart more and more until the ultimate, you know, sad ending of the film. Uh, but yeah, um, the, that's the Jack Ketchum's The Girl Next Door from 2007 highly recommended if you are as twisted as i am <laughs> yeah that, that is a, a movie that's hard to watch it, it's just the subject matter you know when you mm-hmm. see kids being uh tortured and and you know really mistreated like that and, it, and it, it's even worse that it was a true story so exactly and i'm not a parent either and this affected me i couldn't imagine actually having a daughter and watching this film i probably would have lost it yeah, definitely not like a Friday the Thirteenth fun horror. No, <laughs> yeah. this yeah, yeah, very little fun, if anything, about this movie is yeah. fun. <laughs> real, real life horror. So. Mm-hmm. All right, back to Revenant Vin. Uh, this next one, seasoned horror fans uh, would generally have heard of this one and seen it, um, but I think that newer horror fans maybe this is an easy one to miss. Uh, but this is 2007's Teeth. Yes. Uh, you know, you got. A, Black comedy horror about kind of this naive Christian virgin uh, who discovers that her vagina is equipped with a set of chompers. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of this sexual awakening type film, but kind of the vigilante bent. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. You know, even though the guys tend to come out all looking like sexual predators, kind of unfortunate. I kind of wish it was a little more balanced there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the main actress is really good. Um, and it's a film that those who appreciate dark humor and mature sexual themes, I think would really enjoy. Um, so that's, 2007's Teeth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great Definitely. movie. Good movie. You got to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> yes, right. yes. yes, yes. It's a, yes. another painful movie, but for a whole other reason. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. And 
And let's just say some penises get chopped off. Oh, yes. get, get, get and you see the after effect, yes. So. <laughs> All right. Okay, my next one is a movie from 2005. I've seen this only once, but it made an impression on me. Uh, so I actually went out not too long ago and, and purchased this Blu-ray. Um, it is, uh, it's a horror mystery thriller, which is kind of in my wheelhouse. I really like horror that throws in a mystery you know you've got to solve like something there's there's just something weird and this is also a ghost story which i am i just love ghost stories and this is called the dark i guess hmm. ever seen the dark mm-hmm. i don't think so the dark is a great movie it's a a couple named james and adele they're in mourning over the drowning of their daughter and they are they live out by the the ocean and they're in this cottage and they keep getting visited by this young girl named Ebril who claims that she died 60 years ago and she looks a whole lot like their dead daughter um it really is it's based on a novel i've never read the novel sorry i just haven't but listen to the cast i mean the the main two are Sean Bean and Maria Bello so mm-hmm. It's well acted, cinematography is beautiful, and it's a ghost story. It, it, you know, and I I love it. I love this movie. Uh, I need to to see it again, uh, and I might I might watch it tomorrow. We'll see. But check it out um, if if you like that sort of horror. This is not, you know, you know, all in your face. This is a slow burn, you know, kind of a mystery thriller. So uh, the dark. All right, Mr. Venom. All right, the next film I wanted to talk about, and before I get into the movie, um, just so that people know, I am a big fan of true crime, so serial killers, unsolved mysteries, things like that. I'm kind of, you know, I, I do a lot of reading. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. They're actually some of my favorite podcasts out there. Mm-hmm. So um, whenever a movie comes along that's based on a true event, especially if it's an unsolved event, I'm always on board. Um So the next film I wanted to talk about is from 2013. It's called Devil's Pass. Uh, This film is actually based on the famous Dyatlov Pass incident where five students uh, went uh, hiking. Excuse me. Uh, The synopsis of the film is five students go hiking looking for the infamous Dyatlov Pass incident, where it happened, what may have happened to the the campers. Basically what happened is uh, sometime in, I want to say the... 50s nine russian hikers went up uh through dyatlov pass and they all ended up dead uh but they all died in mysterious circumstances like uh one of them uh, was missing their teeth another one looked like they had died of burns even though um that part of russia and and in case i didn't mention it it does take place in russia um that part of russia is very snowbound so it doesn't make sense that somebody would die from burns um Mm -hmm. another person their sternum was broken um another couple of people are like half dressed so they were outside in the elements outside of their tent half dressed anyways all nine of them ended up dead uh they were found in various parts of the Dyatlov pass and it basically just started a big mystery of you know what could have happened to these hikers you know could it be aliens could it be government involvement could it be you know a yeti i mean you know who knows um this movie takes a kind of 
it definitely takes some creative liberties with their explanation of what happened. They actually kind of delve into uh, parallel timelines and even a little bit of time travel. But this was a movie that surprised me. This was one of those movies that I just popped in one Saturday afternoon expecting nothing special. But it actually, because of the subject matter and because I like a lot of true crime stuff, it actually spoke to me. I genuinely enjoyed it. And the creative liberties that the filmmakers took with the story, I'm o- I was okay with. Like, I didn't really roll my eyes too much. The ending isn't stellar. It's not something to write home about. But I feel like this movie is definitely well above the average mark uh, where I think most horror fans should check it out. And if you're and if you're like me and you're a fan of, you know, true crime, unsolved mysteries, then, yeah, you should definitely um, go on to YouTube, uh, look up the Dyatlov Pass. That's Dyatlov, D-Y-A-T-L-O-V and Pass, P-A-S-S. So just look up the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, do a little bit of reading, you know, watch a couple of videos about it and then check out this movie. Uh, I think I think most horror fans will appreciate it. That's one I've never seen. Uh, I've seen the uh, the cover art to that and uh, I've never seen it. So that's on my list. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I saw like that this. one. Yeah. You saw that one? Yeah, I did see that one. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. You're back up, Vin. Um, this is one I know it's now on Shudder, uh, but when people talk about South Korean horror films, they don't often talk about this one. And I think it's really worth checking out. And this is two, uh, 2010's bedeviled. Um, you know, on the surface, it's pretty similar to kind of this, like a, a rape revenge film, Mm -hmm. but you know, really we end up seeing the effects of, it's not really just rape. It's kind of a, a ritualized abuse upon an individual. Um, we, we end up following a woman who has become the target of abuse by both men and women, the the people who live with her on this island. And she has this old friend who kind of returns to the island with these unfulfilled promises, and things end up coming to an end. The violence, I think, becomes almost cathartic. Uh, but what I really like is how the film blurs the lines of who you're rooting for in terms of the abused woman and her friend. It's got a really touching and beautifully shot ending, I think, that really struck me. Uh, and I just, I really kind of, I highly recommend this film. It's kind of a cool examination of almost like a pack mentality, mm-hmm. you know, when it, you know, she's almost like a, almost like a runt of the litter and everybody starts piling on her. You know, it's, it's become accustomed to everybody on this Island basically abuses her. And when things end up turning against them, uh, it's, it's satisfying. I have to say, uh, so yeah, this is a 2010s bedeviled. Mm. Yeah, that was a good one. Yes. I, that's, uh, South Korea doesn't get enough credit. I mean, they, uh, they really they're great. Put out, they put really some good, good stuff. stuff out. I've got a South Korean film on my list that'll be uh, coming up later. They managed to put a real emotional intensity to their violence, which you don't often see American films succeed in. Yep. Yep. All right, my turn, and uh, <clears throat> this is a this is a Swedish film, okay, uh, from 2012. And all I can say is, if Evil Dead happened in Sweden, sort of. <laughs> and it's just called Wither. Okay, have you guys heard of this or seen it? No, no. Okay, it's free on Prime right mm. now, but uh, uh, the original title is Vitra. Uh, one hour and thirty-five minutes. Man, it's just uh, you know, good old demonic cabin in the woods fun 
just think like Norse mythology and demons and kind of undead and you know that kind of thing in a, in a cabin in the woods, but everyone's speaking Swedish. So uh, I think you guys would like it. So check it out on Prime. Uh, I, I picked this one particularly because it was uh, you know free on Prime. So check it out. Let me know what you think about Wither. Cool. All right, Mr. Venom. All right. Well, this next selection is where I kind of cop out. And let me explain. Um, <laughs> this movie is not a horror movie. Um, oh, there, man. There's there a lot go. of violence. <laughs> Finding Nemo cannot be on this list. Uh, Finding Dory, then? <laughs> Finding Dory, yes. Um, anyway, so th- uh, but this is a martial arts film. The reason I have it on the list is because it is intensely violent. There is some major, major gore, and there's even a creature transformation in it. Um, the the main antagonist of the film actually does turn into this lumbering seven foot monster later in the film. So, and the reason I went ahead and at, at the last minute included it in this list was mainly because of the new Vince, or at least the last Vince Vaughn movie. Uh, Brawl at Cell Block 99. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another movie that's distinctly not horror, but it's still very violent, um, has some exceptional gore effects, and a lot of people <laughs> really, really like it. So A lot of head um, stomps. <laughs> yep, exactly. And this movie, actually, I mean, it's very similar. It's um, a young man with superhuman strength is incarcerated in a prison run by corrupt officials. And it's it's a lot like uh, Brawl at Cell Block 99 in the sense that the fights are very intense, very violent. Obviously, in, in Cell Block 99, it's it's more realistic gore, definitely more realistic violence. In um, in Ricky O, uh, did I give the title yet, by the way? I'm no, very sorry. No, no <laughs> you haven't. We're waiting with bated breath. Yeah. Uh, it's a long intro. Movie, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of people already know where I'm coming from if you're as big a martial arts fan as I am. But this is Ricky Ho, the story of Ricky from 1991. Um, I believe this is, a, this is also a Korean film. Um, it stars uh, Su Wong Fan, uh, Mei Shang Fan, and Kai Q-ho. Absolutely. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm huge fans of their work. Anyway. <laughs> um, but like I said, this is a straight martial arts film. Um, you're not going to find any necessarily any serial killers. or I mean, these guys are all killers. I mean, the Gang of Four, which is the gang that runs the prison, might as well be, you know, uh, movie mass murders. I mean, they're, you know, very tattooed up, very violent, unrelenting, you know unforgiving to whoever you know is the uh, recipient of their violence so if you're just looking for just a really nice gory action movie this is a film and like i said the reason i wanted to include it is that this is a movie that i feel horror fans should still see if you have any interest whatsoever in martial arts check out this movie i don't think you'll regret it 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 is hokey it's a little over the top and the creature design on the one uh antagonist i spoke about earlier it's not the greatest ever, but when you realize the movie doesn't have a great, doesn't have the highest budget, doesn't have any name actors in it. Um, I, I think most horror fans, at least most American horror fans should be able to develop an appreciation for it. So yeah, that's Ricky Ho, the story of Ricky. Ricky is such, Ricky is such a (laughs) hoe. All right. Let's go back to Vin. Uh, okay. The next one I want to talk about, um, Again, not obscure, 
uh, people talked about it when it first came out, but then I feel like it's kind of gotten forgotten already. Uh, you don't hear much talk about it. And I think part of it is because I don't think it's categorized very well. Uh, this is 2013's Under the Skin. Mm, yeah. uh, you often see, they'll call it sci-fi, they call it fantasy, they call it drama. I mean, this is a friggin' horror film. And it's it's one that actually had a really a really strong effect on me when I watched it. There's, yeah, in in the film, we essentially follow uh, Scarlett Johansson. And she's this alien who takes a female form to lure kind of Scottish men to their doom. Uh, But there's this kind of voyeuristic quality to the whole thing. And there's these moments that are hauntingly beautiful while at the same time being deeply unsettling. Uh, it's, It's kind of like along the way, we end up seeing humans kind of disposed of. In very cold and apathetic ways. And these are ways that really struck me when I watched it. Uh, I was left pretty much blindsided by the experience when I saw it. Um, Others, of course, may not be affected at all. But I think, for me, this is one of the best horror films of the decade. Uh, Though, again, it receives some recognition. Uh, I don't think that you hear much about it anymore. And if you're a listener who is kind of a newer horror fan, uh, yeah, it's only been... Well, almost five years now, but still, if if you've missed this one, I definitely think you should go back and check it out. Uh, it's it's a it's a slow burn, um, and again, you'll see it categorized as science fiction, fantasy, but I think that this is first and foremost actually like a horror film, uh, and a really good one at that. Um, so that's 2013's Under the Skin. Yeah, I think nice. when we did our top 25 of the 21st century so far, if you haven't checked out that episode, you need to go back and listen. But uh, I think that was your number one or that two. Was the, wasn't I it? was the only one who I think voted for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a good movie and it's and it's definitely visceral. It's definitely kind of a, a different looking film. There um, are images that will be burned into your brain yeah, after uh-huh. you see it. Yep. All right. Uh, back to me. This one I think some people have heard of um, more than others, but this is for those who, uh, you know, aren't as you know, deep into horror, I guess, um, as, as some of us are. But this is 2004's Creep. This is not, this is not the Mark Duplass Creep, you know, with Creep and Creep 2. This is not it. Uh, this is a movie, uh, UK, uh, movie from 2004, and it's about a, a girl who is on her way home from work in a London subway station. She feels like uh, there's somebody that is following her or trying to attack her. So she kind of runs from this person and kind of gets lost down in the tunnels beneath the city's streets. And there's worse down there. Uh, there's some pretty cool creature effects in this movie. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit, you know, of Chud, you know, if Chud was a good movie. Uh, I'm sorry for people who love chud <laughs> but but uh yeah so creep please, please watch this movie this is a fun little creature flick um have, have either of you guys seen this oh yeah i haven't no yeah yeah i, I like it a lot uh, it's just i like creature uh-huh. features it's fun it, it, it comes in at an hour and 25 minutes so it goes by pretty quickly uh did you like it vin um vin Jerry, I actually liked it more than the Mark Duplass creep. <laughs> oh yeah, oh one hundred percent. Yeah, which is which is why I stress this is not the Mark Duplass right. creep. Um, yeah, so two thousand four creep. 
uh, directed by Christopher Smith. All right, we're back to you, Mr. Venom. All right. Well, I wasn't going to talk about this one yet, but since Vin and Mark, you both made kind of more popular uh, choices, um, this film is probably the most popular movie on my list, but it's still one that I don't feel gets the recognition that it deserves. Now, when it first came out, it did. If you were listening to podcasts back in 2014, we had a lot of podcasts giving this movie love and, uh, you know, singing its praises, but it, it kind of died down since then. And I just feel like if anybody's gotten into horror films over the last four or five years and maybe missed out on this one, it needs to be revisited. Um, and this movie is from 2014. It is the werewolf film late phases. This yes. movie is great. I mean, this I I, I am I, I'm not as big a fan as, as like Walshy is as far as werewolf movies go. I do enjoy the exceptional werewolf movies, uh, the American werewolves and you know Howling and you know Ginger Snaps, blah blah blah. But this movie was probably the first werewolf movie in a few years, probably a good three, four, five years that genuinely impressed me. It did something very original, having the community that's being kind of um, that that's being terrorized by the wolf actually be a secluded retirement community so y you have that angle of like older citizens who maybe can't run away from the baddie as easily mm -hmm. and i thought that added a nice element to it and then you know nick Demichi, his yep. performance in this movie is stellar i mean he plays a blind man and you believe every second of it. I mean, you know, I, I've watched it multiple times, purposely trying to find mistakes where he maybe did something that no blind man would do. But I mean, his performance is genuinely exceptional. And uh, again, I can't recommend this movie enough. That's Late Phases from 2014, directed by Adrian Garcia Bagliano, written by Eric Stolls, and of course, starring Nick Dimitri. So, yeah, check that out if you get a chance to. Yes. And Ethan Embry. Yes, that's right. Pre-Devil's pre pre Candy Jesus. Pre-Heavy pre Metal <laughs> Ethan Embry. <laughs> yes. And uh, a lot of times, if you go to Walmart, you might see this on the shelf as Night of the Lone Wolf. Yes. Like um, Late Phases, Night of the Lone Wolf. That's not a sequel. Yep. It's kind of like, like a, an alternative title or whatever. So, same movie. Same movie. But, uh, yeah, I wish they would... Uh, uh, do more movies like like uh, like werewolf movies. I like I like werewolf movies. And, yeah. Um, there's not enough of them. The problem with werewolf movies is like when they're good, they're really good. But when they're bad, they're really Real, bad. Re yeah. There's like no. There's almost no middle ground with werewolf movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, back to Revenant Van. Uh, well, here I want to talk about a, a Thai horror film. Uh, this is 2006's The Unseeable. Uh, it's it's a low it's a fairly low budget film and I have to say when it first started uh, I think I had a little bit of a American arrogance uh, <laughs> going into it because uh, I was kind of like um it, it, I was already almost putting in my head about how you know they're they're trying to copy Western films they're not doing it right you know I, I kind of started making these presumptions because the way that the movie opens up uh, mm -hmm. but by the end of it it really won me over and really impressed me and really it's a it's an example of a classic gothic ghost story with a Thai twist. Uh, we, we end up following a pregnant woman who's in search of her missing husband. And she ends up staying in a likely haunted estate. Uh, it, we see things about ghosts and Thai vampire lore, and it's all wrapped up in a crazy yet pretty accessible story. The movie is set in 1934, 
I, I love period horror. And the aesthetics are really largely in, uh, kind of an homage to that era's film stars. Uh, this isn't a film that's, it's not going to blow anyone's socks off, and I don't really want to oversell it. But if you like gothic ghost stories and are interested in seeing kind of a southeast, southeastern Asian culture's competent take on it, I think it's really worth checking out. I, I liked it. it. It's a story that wraps up really well. Uh, so that's 2006's The Unseeable. Very nice. And you can watch that on Prime right now. Absolutely. All right. Back to me. Back to me. All right. I'm going with a, a movie that is from a country that you don't normally see a whole lot of great horror coming out of, or at least I haven't, and that's China. Um, there's a lot of South Korean, a lot of Japanese, a lot of Thailand is coming out with some, but there's not a ton of like Chinese horror that, uh, I see a lot more stuff in, in Chinese horror that's like kind of goofy comedy horror. Um, but this one, is probably still on Shutter, I believe. Uh, it's from 2010. It's called Dream Home. Have you guys seen this? Mm-hmm. I've seen the cover. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is this is a brutal movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a basically this girl is obsessed with having this her dream home. It's it's more of like an apartment, and this is where. She wants to be, she has, you know, thoughts and dreams of it, but in order for that to happen, um, the, the people that, uh, uh, are living there now have to die, right? Right? Or, 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 what is it? It's been a while since I saw it. Maybe her neighbors, the neighbors would have to be, I forget what it is, but it's basically her, you know, doing what, she, whatever she needs to do to make sure that she could have this dream home. And, uh, man, there are some brutal kills in this movie. Uh, it really kind of takes you by surprise because this is kind of like a, a pretty, like, petite woman. And uh, at the beginning, man, when, when she uh, <laughs> she puts this zip tie, isn't it a zip tie or something, think, yeah. around this security guard's neck, and you just see it going into his... Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's there's some there's some good stuff in this movie. Like I said, it's um on Shutter or it was. So if if not, you can pay two ninety nine and watch it on Prime Video. But uh, yeah, don't don't mis- mistake this for like Dream House or Dream Home with Daniel Craig, mm-hmm. uh, which is not even really a horror movie. <laughs> Dream Home uh, from China. It was made in Hong Kong. So yep, that's mine. Back to Mr. Venom. We're rolling now. All right. Well, this next one, again, is not necessarily an example of a a hidden gem. Uh, We are solidly back in the horror genre, though. No more martial arts. So uh, uh, this film, released in 2010, comes from Australia, and that is The Loved Ones. Now, um, I know this movie is very familiar to a lot of horror fans out there, but again, because it's a foreign film that didn't have a whole lot of hoopla behind it when it was released in our country. I feel like a lot of people might have missed out on it. Um, this is another one of those brutal movies. Um, basically, uh, it's the story of a kid who, after turning down his classmate's invitation to the prom, she concocts a plan to get just absolute violent revenge on this kid. Um, part of the reason, I guess, uh, why it's so hard to watch is, of course, we're, we're looking at underage kids. 
um, mm-hmm. high school seniors. So, I mean, they might be 18 uh, for all we know. Um, and the well, I don't want to get into too many story plots, but the girl may actually be older than she lets on too. But that's yeah. that's a conversation for another podcast. Um, it's uh, just incredibly violent torture porn. I mean, it, it's a captivity film. It's very. I mean, there's a major, major scene of torture. Um, I'll just say carving. <laughs> that's all mm. I'm gonna say. It. It's an intense little scene. And then even once that major scene of violence is done and our our hero is kind of dispatched to the basement of the home, there's still even more horror elements that we weren't anticipating that kind of come out of the woodwork. So, yeah, that's um, that's 2009's The Loved Ones out of Australia, written and directed by Sean Byrne, stars Xavier Samuel and Robin McLevy. She is uh, she is our main antagonist and she's brilliant. I absolutely love her. She just she plays, you know, insane to a T. It, it, it's amazing and calm too, like calm insanity. You know, you know, she's not she's not like one of the fireflies, let's say, where they're just screaming and hooting and hollering. She's very subdued, very calm. But don't, you know, don't let that trick you. I mean, the quiet ones should be feared as well. <laughs> it's, it's, she's more of a, a psychopath. Oh. Calculating, you yes. know. Yeah. Absolutely. Unfeeling, but, uncaring. Yep. Yeah. And just, just, you know, pictures of her in that pink dress. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, kids, watch this before you go to prom. Oh, All right. God. <laughs> watch it after oh. your prom, maybe. <laughs> yeah. After the prom. Yeah. All right. Uh, back to Vin. Uh, this next one is actually, I'm pretty sure this is one of my earliest Redbox rentals. Uh, you know, one of those blind rentals, and I was surprised to find that this film was right up my alley. I loved it, and that's uh, 2009's Triangle. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we have a very Twilight Zone-style story about a group of yachters who are rescued by an empty ocean liner after their, their boat capsizes. Um, and obviously something very odd and likely supernatural is happening. Uh, and I don't really want to give anything away because I think this film is best experience going in blind. You know, the less you know about this movie, the better it is. Um, so don't watch any trailers or anything like that. Uh, but Melissa George, she's a central, uh, yeah, she's our main player. Uh, she's, uh, I think she does a great job in this. And so if, if you like mind bending narratives with plenty of, you know, WTF moments, uh, I really do highly recommend this one. This is probably one of my favorite horror films from like, you know, 2000 to 2009, that kind of that era. Uh, this would probably be, this is definitely a top 10 for that. I really like this movie. Uh, so yeah, 2009's triangle. Yes. Very good. Very good movie. All right. My next one I know has been on Netflix for quite a while. I don't know if it still is. Um, but it is one of those movies that I saw back when it first came out in 2011. And it is, it is kind of like a Victorian or like Gothic, um, you know, World War One era ghost story. Uh, and it's called The Awakening. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, really like this movie um, from 2011. Rebecca Hall is the star. I, I haven't heard this movie get any love. I mean, I've, I've never heard it mentioned on any podcast, and I listen to a lot of horror podcasts. Um, but but this is basically, this is a, 
she exposes hoaxes. You know, um, the beginning is just like the seance scene, and and uh, it, it looks like it's kind of real, but she exposes it for what it is, and she's like a non-believer. So she visits this boarding school uh, to try to debunk the sightings of this ghost child that people have been seeing. And let's just say things don't quite, you know, go as she plans. Um, I, I really like the movie a lot. It's beautifully shot, gorgeous to look at, very well acted between Rebecca Hall and Dominic West. Um, yeah, I, I really like this movie. So please, uh, if it's still on Netflix, you know, give it a give it a watch uh, before they finally take it off of there. And it's a it's from the UK, so. All right, back to Mr. Venom. All right, earlier on when I was discussing The Innocence, I said that I was going to have a couple of older films on my list that would um that maybe aren't necessarily hidden but are films that modern horror fans need to watch and this movie to me is an absolute essential. Um the film I'm talking about right now is 1955's Night of the Hunter. Starring uh, Robert Mitchum, Shelley Winters, Lillian Gish, um, directed by Charles Lawton. Uh, this film is the very definition of creep, of just that s- nasty feeling that you get when someone you don't like is breathing, you know, down your neck from behind you. And it just the constant fear of you know capture by by a a person that you're trying to get away from uh the story is basically really simple robert mitchum plays a religious fanatic that marries a gullible widow whose young children refuse to tell him where there is ten thousand dollars hidden that their real father stole in a robbery years earlier um and then the, uh the mom and the kids they on multiple occasions uh leave the town that they're in to try to get away from Robert Mitchum but he ends up just catching up to them and finding them um i i i mentioned it on the top 10 episode of the horror cast but i feel like brimstone is very much um a, a lot of like as far as uh, this film night of the hunter um again you know uh an an innocent girl trying to get away from a dark past, but it keeps catching up to her. Um, I, m- I might actually side with this film being slightly better than Brimstone. Uh, Brimstone was a spectacular film, but this movie just, I, I I've seen this movie dozens of times and I still get chills uh, pretty much any time Robert Mitchum's on screen talking. I mean, he, he played this role just to absolute perfection and uh, again, I know it's a film from the 50s. It's black and white. A lot of modern uh, horror movie fans don't really want to venture that far back into the library. But I sh- if you watch any of the movies on my list, I strongly recommend this one. Learn your history. Learn you know where it all came from. And it, it just again, I'm sorry. I'm stuttering over myself because I love this film so much. It needs to be watched by as many people as possible. So, yeah, once again, that's 1955's The Night of the Hunter. Oh, yeah. Good movie. Good, good, good movie. Uh, I uh, I need I almost purchased that on Blu-ray um, from Criteria. Nice. Is that it, Criterion? Uh-huh. But, man, the only place I saw it at um, Barnes & Noble, it was like 60 or 70. But I was like, good Lord. So nice. I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for that uh, 
uh, a couple times annual a year, sale or whatever. Yeah. They always have that Criterion <laughs> sale, fifty percent off, and that's the first one I'm going to snatch up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is so creepy. Yeah, you know, between that and Cape Fear, absolutely. Uh, yeah, iconic uh, characters. Uh, and I, you'll never listen to uh, "Leaning on the Everlasting Arms" uh, again the same. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Robert Mitchum. I mean, just from the strength of those two movies alone should be considered a horror icon, but most yep. horror fans don't even associate him with the genre. And that's really too bad. Yep. All right. Vin. Uh, next I want to talk about a, a Finnish period horror film. Uh, this is 2008 sauna. Um, oh. it's, it's a film that's, it's set in the 16th century at the end of the Russo Swedish war where we see, Russian and Swedish soldiers mapping out the boundary between the territories. And they come to a mysterious village that has an equally mysterious sauna within the woods. Uh, it, the, the narrative, it, it centers on these two brothers. One of them is kind of bookish, and the other one's a hardened soldier. And they're seemingly haunted by past war crimes. This is not a film with a clear narrative, and a lot is left to interpretation. I liken it to a, a puzzle which you know has missing pieces, but there's enough to get some semblance of a picture. And I, I'm a sucker for period horror, and if you like films that give you something to think about after, rather than having it all handed to you, and you also like the idea of this kind of period setting, I highly recommend checking this one out. I, I really like it. This, uh, this is a 2008, two, 2008 sauna. Very nice. Back up to me. Right? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I said I needed uh, to give some props to South Korea. This is going to be my South Korean horror film. Uh, and it's from 2004. And it is one of those rare um, horror movies that is set during wartime. Hold up. I got to sneeze. <laughs> All right. Like right in the middle of, of the Vietnam War is where this is set. Uh, basically during the Vietnam War, South Korean base receives a radio transmission from a missing squad who's presumed dead, and they send a platoon to rescue the lost squad from the R-Point. And that is the name of the movie, is R-Point. Um, this is a really creepy movie. Really creepy movie uh, that is, again, well shot, well acted, and it's got just a really um, unique plot that I've never seen done in a horror movie before. So... If you like war movies and you like horror movies, this is almost like that perfect mix uh, of both of them. Have you guys seen Our Point? No. No, sir. Yeah. Check it out. Check it out. It, it's is it like a supernatural is. story or is it? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes, it is, sir. So, But uh, it's got enough of that uh, uh, war type of, uh, you know, movie feel to it. Mm-hmm. But it also, you know, like I said, they're, they're, getting this transmission from this squad that they're going to, to go rescue. And the squad is supposed to be presumed dead. So that can give you a little bit of a, you know, idea of what it is. Hmm. But yeah. Really good movie. I liked it a lot. So that is our point back to you, Mr. Venom. All right. <clears throat> uh, the last couple of movies I wanted to talk about, uh, should, make the gorehounds happy um they're very brutal very violent movies uh the first one i want to talk about is from 2008 
It is a docudrama um, about the Japanese Unit 731. Uh, for those who don't know their history, uh, this is this is all true. Um, unit 731 was a unit of the Japanese Army that was kind of um, they were made to experiment on on enemy soldiers. And when I say experiment, I mean pretty much anything they could think of. Um, they would, you know, they wanted to see what the effects of syphilis were on the human body. Um, they, they, you know, acid, um, various cutting tools. Um, this movie is extremely violent and it's presented in a documentary style. Uh, there's no narrator necessarily. It's just, it, it looks like it's all stock footage, like old military footage. Like there's no real narrative to the story. It's basically just a collection of different incredibly painful set pieces. Um, I've already mentioned, you know, experiments with syphilis, acid. Um, and when I say acid, I don't mean LSD. I mean like actual, like burn your flesh off acid that they were experimenting with. Um, there's ritualistic rape in the film. Um, there's, uh, violence against animals. I mean, it, it, it's a very hard movie to watch, especially when, once you realize, once you're like 15, 20 minutes in, uh, you realize there's no real narrative. There's no real story necessarily being told. All they're really doing is just showing examples of the atrocities that this unit performed back in 1945. Well, from 1930 to 1945 were the years that this unit, uh, existed <clears throat> they were disbanded in 1945 right after the japanese surrender to the u.s in world war ii um <clears throat> the movie is a russian film but most of the actors in the film are going to be japanese obviously because they are representing unit 731 um <clears throat> and then one last thing i wanted to say about the film to warn everybody unfortunately this film is almost four and a half hours long i would not in a million years recommend anyone watch this movie in one sitting. I made the mistake of doing that. And I just felt so dirty at the end. It just, I, I, I needed like three showers and I needed to bathe in rubbing alcohol because I just, it, it, it's mm. one of those films that you're almost ashamed to watch and enjoy. Now, obviously, you know, we're all horror fanatics here. Um, we've all got an example of a film that we're maybe a little ashamed to like, you know, you know, it could be a Serbian film, it could be Human Centipede, whatever the case may be. But, you know, movies that are ultra violent, ultra gory, mean spirited almost, um, but you still enjoy it. And for me, that's philosophy of a knife. Um, there is a distinct middle like break in the film. So if you watch it, it is available on YouTube. Believe it or not, it's available on YouTube completely uncut. Um, this was about a year ago. So who knows if it's still there now? But uh, once again, it's from 2008. Uh, the film looks like it was even shot during uh, the, the 1940s. Like I said, it looks like archival military footage. But it, it's a 2008 movie um, shot on video, but, you know, kind of slowed down and grained up a little bit to make it look like film, like archival film. But yeah, um, definitely another hard movie to watch. But I feel like a lot of uh, our listeners could probably get some positives out of this, mainly because it, it is based on a true story and it just kind of opens your eyes to the atrocities of war, not just the atrocities occurring on the battlefield, but even in the labs and, uh, you know, places like that. So, yeah, go into it with my full warning 
that you're going to be a completely different person at the end of the film, but <laughs> it's it's still something I feel should be experienced. But it's definitely uh, an endurance test. Like I said, f- almost four and a half hours. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Get your popcorn ready. <laughs> All right. Revenant Van. Uh, my next one is, it's it's a bizarre film. All right, the most bizarre one on, on my list here. And this is 1988's Alice. And this is actually, it's a, a Czech adaptation of Lewis Carroll's you know, classic children's tale, Alice in Wonderland, but with a decidedly darker bent. I mean, the film isn't horror proper. It's kind of horror adjacent, but I think there's enough in there. If you're kind of this eccentric or kind of eclectic horror fan, you might really want to check it out. Um, it's more like a dark fantasy. However, when I was watching it with my wife, she turned to me and said, this is a horror film. <laughs> so mm-hmm. she, as, as far as she was concerned, this is a horror film. Um, and again, this is a film that is not for everyone. It's odd. It, there's very little dialogue. Uh, it's it's just kind of bizarre. But it's I, I think all this makes it incredibly intriguing. And instead of the Alice that we think of, especially it's kind of Disney-fied Alice. You know, she kind of plays outdoors by a pond and she has this cat. This Alice appears to never go outside and only knows animals by the taxidermied specimens that she has in her room and like the mouse bones she finds in the walls. So Wonderland, when she gets there, is filled with animals that are essentially skeletons. And it kind of contains the sort of things that a young girl at the turn of the century might find around a house. It's like shoes and like just, you know, all everything is man-made. There's like nothing natural. And when we do see the outdoors, it's basically completely desolate and uninviting, as though her imagination wouldn't know how to paint it. She wouldn't know how to create the outdoors. Yeah. And it's it's just it's a very weird, bizarre film. There's definitely ties to if you kind of look back at the communist era and things that happen within uh, Czech society, especially almost like these kangaroo courts that the communists would kind of run as an example. Uh, you know, these kind of fake trials almost. Um, when Alice is up on the stand, you know, and the queen is saying off of their head, you kind of get the feeling that they're kind of going for that era. You know, that that's what it's reacting to this, what was going on with communism. Um, so again, it, this is more horror adjacent. It's got some pretty amazing stop motion animation. Uh, at some points, like whenever, when Alice, uh, you know, takes the drink me potion, she turns small. She actually turns into a porcelain doll. So there's like this stop motion porcelain doll that's interacting with these things now. So it, it's it's really weird. It's really creepy, very bizarre. So if you're looking for something whimsical and completely unique, uh, this kind of dark children's fantasy, uh, I think this is really worth checking out. So again, this is a Czech film, 1988's Alice. Interesting. I'm I'm looking it up right now. It looks interesting. So I'm going to check it out. All right. I'm back up, and I am going to cheat, and I'm going to give you two movies. Oh, man. Because (laughs) one is part one, one is part two. Uh, They are both from uh, Spain, and the first one is called The Valdemar Legacy, and the second one is called The Valdemar Legacy to The Forbidden Shadow. Um, They both came out in 2010. Uh, Jose Luis... Alaman was the uh, director of these. And basically what you have here is um, you have a, uh, a lady who is an expert on old buildings and the taxation of old buildings. And she goes to a Victorian mansion, uh, Valdemar, to conduct uh, like an investigation of property ownership. And she 
disappears. So the president of the company she works for, uh, they get a, a private detective uh, to go help find her. But let's just say um, this mansion is not all that it appears to be. And there is some Lovecraftian goodness going on. Uh, I enjoyed this movie. These are, by the way, you know, they're not, um, you know, the most incredible movies you've ever seen. I just really enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the, um, enjoyed the uh, cinematography. I wasn't expecting these movies to be good at all. So that's why they're on here is, is that they're actually a pretty decent um, little back-to-back uh, parts one and two and deserve to be seen. So... If you like, uh, you know, Lovecraft and uh, Cthulhu and that that sort of stuff, um, you should check it out. And it's also got, you know, that air of what I said before, not just horror, but mystery. It's got an air of mystery to it that you kind of have to figure out what's going on. So that is the Valdemar Legacy 1 and 2. Sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Mr. Venom, you back up? All right. Oh, the last movie I wanted to talk about, at least in the main part of the conversation, is a German movie from 1992. Um, as I mentioned earlier, my top two movies are definitely going to be something more for the gorehounds out there. This movie is legitimately one of the most mean-spirited, angry, just violence-for-violence-sake movies I've ever seen. Um, as I already said, it's a German production from 1992, and the name of the film is The Burning Moon. Um, I saw this movie as soon as it came out there. I was lucky enough to get a video, have a video store um, in in Connecticut where I grew up that would get a lot of like independent and um, foreign horror, stuff like that. And they actually specialized in horror, actually. And so I I used to get a lot of like Japanese and German and and uh, um, movies like that. And I would get them right away, like literally within the month of their initial release. So. Uh, the Burning Moon is basically an anthology movie, but it's only really split up into two shorter films. Uh, the wraparound story is basically a juvenile delinquent brother is forced to stay home and babysit his kid's sister. So in an act of revenge, he reads her the two most disturbing, morbid, violent bedtime stories that he could possibly find. Uh, the, the first story is about a serial killer going on a blind date. Now, that that sounds like a horror comedy setup. No, there is no comedy involved. I, I assure you, there is very little about this movie that's going to make you smile with enjoyment anyway. You, you, you might get that devious smile when you see some, uh, some of the incredible gore. But yeah, I mean, the first story, like I said about the serial killer, this serial killer is just bad for the sake of being bad. He um he basically witnessed his entire family butchered by his grandfather with an axe. And then the grandfather, for some reason, let him live. And so, of course, he grows up to be a serial killer. Um, and like I said, he goes on a blind date and it just turns into an absolute nightmare, not just for his date, but pretty much for any other person that they encounter. Um, it, it's definitely a, it's a rough movie. Now, the gore is very, very over the top. It's not nearly as realistic as, say, something like Brawl on uh, Cell Block 99. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be more like a Dead Alive type gore where it's very over the top, a lot of prosthetic arms and decapitated heads and things like that. So, you know, you could take a lot of it with a grain of salt. But when I saw it, 
in 92, it, it shook me to the core. I mean, this was one of the most violent movies I had ever seen. I don't, I can't even believe that the video store would rent this to me because I don't even think it's rated R. I mean, this has to be a hard NC 17 or whatever Germany's equivalent of that is. Cause yeah. Was, was this like uh, when we were kids and you go and you'd see the faces of death? Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, faces, faces of death is uh, a Disney movie compared to the burning moon. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a rough movie. I mean, obviously not everything in faces of death was fake. I know Mm -hmm. some of it was real. A lot of it was staged, but, um, even the stuff in uh, faces of death, that's real pales in comparison to what you're looking at in burning moon. Um, and then the, the second story, um, of the two short stories is basically just, um, the story of a murderous priest. Uh, basically there's a small town, um, that has a, a serial rapist and murderer, on uh, out on the loose um the townspeople basically find this um mentally challenged farmhand who's uh, a, a big dude he's a big menacing looking guy and they all just collectively decide that he's the killer so of course with no trial jury of any kind they basically just lynch him um and then after after the poor guy is lynched we get the reveal that it's the priest who is raping and killing everyone uh, it's not much of a it, I mean, this all happens like in the first five, ten minutes of the story. So it's not really much of a spoiler necessarily. Um, but then what happens is the priest um, is found out by like some kind of demonic force. Basically, a demon, you know, comes to Earth and tells him, you know, a man and you, you killed an innocent man for your crimes. So you're coming to hell with me. And then the last probably 15 to 20 minutes of the short is just nothing but hell scene. It's just gore, death, destruction. Um, this version of hell, not so much fire and brimstone, more kind of like Hellraiser where it's dark and dank and body parts lying around all over the place, stuff like that. Uh, it was pretty intense in 92. I will admit I haven't watched it in over 10 years, so I will have to revisit it. Um, but then the movie ends with what until 2015's Bone Tomahawk, this was probably the best human being being ripped in half I had ever seen in a horror movie. It is so intense and realistic. It just I, it completely blew my mind. Um, and the, the one in Bone Tomahawk maybe isn't as visually stunning, but it definitely looks more realistic. So it's striking that way. In this one, it, it's very kind of over-the-top cartoony, but it's still incredibly intense, incredibly hard to watch. Um, yeah, so again, if you're a gorehound, or at least you know you see yourself as a gorehound, I strongly recommend 1992's The Burning Moon from Germany. Hmm. That sounds crazy. Yeah, I, this is one of those movies that I, I, I wouldn't really recommend it to too many people. You, you, you got to have like... Um, uh, you you have to have a little something wrong with your brain to enjoy this movie. So so I love it. You hear that, listeners? Mister Venom thinks you have something wrong with your brain. (laughs) (laughs) You love this movie as much as I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, let's go, Vin. Anything else? Yeah, I got one more here to talk about. Uh, This next film, I it seems to really get overlooked, especially by American audiences. I don't know if British audiences tend to be more familiar with it. Uh, but this was a film that it, when I would pass by it in 
you know, the video rental uh, store when I was a kid. I, I of course, you know, like like everybody, you know, who would listen to this, you you kind of gravitate towards the horror section. And you start looking at all those covers, and this one always struck me. I just love the cover of this, and this is uh, 1984 is the Company of Wolves. Mm, yes. um, it's got a fantastic image on the cover of the wolf kind of protruding from the guy's mouth. Um, and what's awesome is that actually does happen in the film. It's not one of those covers that doesn't deliver. This actually delivers. But this is a it's a British fantasy horror film by Neil Jordan uh, that I think is it's really criminally underseen. Uh, the film uses it uses werewolves as kind of a metaphors for girls' sexual awakening. Here's another girls' sexual awakening film that I'm talking about. Uh, but the film is essentially it's a fever dream of an adolescent girl. And many things happen in the film which are purely, like, symbolic dream logic. And with that, though, we get some really imaginative scenes and some underrated world transformations. Some of them look really good. This film, it gives you a lot to think about, and it's visually remarkable. And I really think more people need to check it out. I mean, it's not hardcore horror. It's really kind of a gothic fantasy with horror moments. Uh, but I think that if that kind of thing appeals to you, you know, if you if you kind of want that fantasy aspect to it and to see this kind of darker turn on Little Red Riding Hood. And it really goes back to the original Little Red Riding Hood story from, yeah, I think it was the 1500s or 16. I, I'm, I'm blanking exactly on the date, but that that story was really used as a a warning to girls to beware of men, basically. It was like, you know, not all wolves have fur on the outside kind of thing where, you know, you in the original Little Red Riding Hood story, she actually gets in bed with the wolf. So this actually kind of goes back to those roots and uses wolves as this as this kind of metaphor for this sexual awakening and for temptation and for the dangers through that. And it's really kind of fascinating. Uh, and again, it's one that. Yeah, you, you you don't ever hear people talk about it. And when they talk about werewolf films, and they talk about world transformations. This film hardly ever comes up, and I'd like to change that. I think that more people definitely need to check it out. So, again, 1984, The Company of Wolves. Very nice. <clears throat> yes, I, I, I've heard you talk about that before. I need, I need to get myself on the ball and watch that immediately. So... That was that was the second movie I ever rented on VHS. <laughs> I just I remember that spectacular cover. Ah, the cover's <clears> awesome. <throat> yeah, exactly. And when when my dad got his first VCR, or when we got our first VCR, yeah, I mean there was a few movies that I wanted to see. That was definitely one of them. But I had to see Night of the Living Dead just because I had heard so much about it. You know, uh, so I saw that one first. But yeah, Company of Wolves was my second VHS rental ever, and I don't regret it. I remember genuinely enjoying that movie. All right. Well, I got one more, and then we're going to hit our uh, honorable mentions. They're not really honorable mentions. They're just we're not really going to talk about them that much. We're just going to do like kind of a list uh, because we're going to do another. uh, We're going to do more of these. I want to do these every once in a while. So this is actually volume one. (laughs) You know, this is just a way for us to get more and more movies recognized. So, uh, but the last one I'm going to say anything about is from 2007. It's an Australian movie called Storm Warning. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love Storm Warning. Um, basically, these uh, these two yuppies get lost, uh, and, and they try to find shelter from the storm uh, in, a, in a farmhouse. 
and they've basically stumbled upon a marijuana farm and uh the people the farmers aren't too kind let's just say that it kind of reminds <laughs> me a little bit of you know wolf creaky type of you know thing but um yeah really really good movie and uh good visuals so 2007 storm warning check that out um so mr venom why don't you just list off you know some some other movies that uh you had written down uh, if you want to save them for next time you can do that too but um if there's any that you want to get out there um let's see just a couple more maybe um <clears throat> From 2015, out of New Zealand, um, a zombie film called Wormwood, uh, Road of the Dead. Um, It was definitely – this movie, it's kind of a horror action movie, even though it's a zombie film. Um, Mm -hmm. About halfway through the movie, it pretty much abandons all the horror aspects and just turns into a total shoot-em-up, which I do not regret. The film is spectacular, and it actually – it has a cool little element of, like, psychic – um, connections to the zombies that I won't get into because I, I I feel like it's a pretty good reveal. Um, but yeah, that that movie's only a few years old. Like I said, from 2015. Uh, it's called Wormwood, uh, spelled W Y R M W O O D. So yeah, that's a good one. Uh, from 1990, um, a movie, a film, whatever you want to call it. People have been arguing back and forth about this one since it came out, and that's 1990's Begotten. Boy, this movie is weird. It's an odd one. It's definitely a very, very religious narrative. Um, but the thing is, is that since there's no actual dialogue in the film, you can kind of interpret it any way you want. So check that out. It's got some very, very haunting images. I mean, right from the start, the very opening scene is very haunting. And it pretty much does not let up throughout. So check that one out and take from it what you will. Because I... Yeah, a hundred people could watch that movie and a hundred people will have different um, opinions on it. Um, let's see uh, a movie called Dagon, which for those of you who are fans of uh, uh, Lovecraftian movies, specifically stuff like reanimator from beyond even last year's the void to an extent. Um, Dagon is a, uh, you know, an, another Lovecraftian film that's, you know, has to do with like Cthulhu's creatures as sea creatures, if you will. Um, it's been a very long time since I've seen it, but I strongly recommend it. I remember enjoying it greatly. Um, a movie from just a couple of years ago, once again, called the taking of Deborah Logan. Um, this is a found footage film, but it's, it's basically the movie sets up as, um, a film crew is coming to, um, record the life's events of Deborah Logan, who has Alzheimer's disease. So they basically want to, they want to kind of document, her degeneration if you will through the disease but then of course we're watching a horror movie so of course it turns out she does not have alzheimer's there's something else completely different that's wrong with her so that's a good one and then uh one one last one really just so that we can uh, be quick about it and that's uh an hbo movie from 1991 called cast a deadly spell um this is a movie that i had never heard of until um last year when I actually got the chance to review it on the Evil Episodes podcast with our friend Mike Merriman. And um, it, like I said, a movie I had never heard of, but I actually loved it. It's a, it's a mild horror film. It's definitely not gory. Not I mean, there's a lot of monsters in it. Basically, uh, the movie takes place in 1940s Los Angeles. But in this, <clears throat> in this version of 1940s Los Angeles, everyone has magic. 
Uh, magic is a real thing. You can go to the store and buy amulets and whatever and be a witch at home. Uh, and <laughs> basically the story, it's, it's a private eye um, played by uh, Fred Ward, who does a masterful job, by the way. Uh, uh, Juliana, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Margulies? pretty, no, the pretty redhead. Oh, uh, uh, Julianne Moore. Yes. Thank you. She's also in it playing a spectacular femme fatale. And this is 1991. So of course she looks gorgeous as, as expected. Um, it also has, um, David Warner, which you may not know the name, but is, he's one of those, that guy type actors character actor that you recognize instantly he's oh he plays a villain in many many movies um but this one actually has a little bit of a lovecraftian twist to it but it's still um like i said it, it's hard to say it's a straight horror movie it's kind of a horror comedy noir action type film um but it it, it does culminate with a nice little scene at the end with some uh cthulhu type creatures um and yeah i I genuinely enjoyed that one that's a good that one would probably be okay as a family film because like i said there's only really like maybe one major scene of gore and it's fairly tame and the rest of the movie is uh fairly family friendly so yeah that's cast a deadly spell from 1991 that is an hbo film cool hey real quick this just popped into my head when you said the wormwood road of the dead which is a great movie I think it's around the same year. There was another movie that came out that kind of reminded me of it. Um, it's it was something boy. Turbo Kid? Turbo Kid. That was it. Yeah, 2015 was an epic year for New Zealand um, horror slash action. Uh, in, in 2015 alone, they released um, Turbo Kid, Deathgasm, Wormwood. Um, There was one other one, a vampire movie that that's slipping my mind right now. But yeah, 2015, man, like three of my top five movies from that year are all from New Zealand. So yeah, Kiwi horror definitely made a splash in 2015. Yeah, Turbo Kid's not necessarily horror. No, no, uh, not at all. If you're a horror fan, you'll probably enjoy it. So I think so. Um, Yeah. All right, Vin, list them off. Uh, I'm just gonna bring up two real quick. Uh, I figured I should mention. Neil Jordan's other film uh, that I think is worth checking out. He was the one again that did uh, the Company of Wolves. This is 2012's Byzantium. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, kind of a, a modern vampire horror fantasy. Uh, he he really brings the fantasy aspects into these things. You know, where if, if you if you think too hard on some of the things that he's telling you, it doesn't make any sense. You really got to kind of take this as a as much more of a fantasy fable uh, type aspect. Uh, but it's about two vampires, really a mother and a daughter, and they're struggling to survive in a world where vampir- vampirism is essentially reserved for men only. It's kind of like their their code that they have, the vampires have. Uh, so there's some sexual politics going on, but the more interesting aspect is what they do with the two central vampires, uh, the women, and how they operate. And we kind of see some really intriguing kind of folkloric qualities to their vampirism and to the creation of the vampire. And plus uh, Gemma, Ar- Gemma Arterton, um, she is just a gorgeous vampire. And she has this terrific scene where she beheads a guy. I love the scene. Uh, yeah. So it's a, uh, it really, it, it's a cool low key vampire film that I definitely think is worth checking out. So again, it's 2012's Byzantium. And the next one I'm bringing up, and it's kind of weird that I'm bringing it up because we actually reviewed it on our show, but it was the first time I had seen it. it I think it was the first time Walshy had seen it. And I've come across a lot of people who have no idea about this film, even horror fans. 
And that's one that you had recommended, uh, Mark, for the Vincent Price episode. And that's 1973's Theater of Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's... I, I really, honestly, I fell in love with this film. I really liked it. Uh, it's it's a movie that's less famous than The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Uh, but I think that this is truly Vincent Price at his best. He's clearly having a blast in a role that's perfect for him. He's this disgruntled actor seeking revenge on his critics by killing them the methods modeled after kind of heinous Shakespeare deaths. So it's great fun. And if you're a fan of, if you're a Shakespeare nerd, kind of like I am, you know, and yeah, you want to wed that with your Vincent Price horror fandom. I think this is really a perfect film. I think this is one of Vincent Price's best. And even though we covered it on the show and obviously Mark, you knew about it. um, I find a lot of people that really don't know anything about this film. So I just want to kind of champion it and say, you know, if you didn't hear our episode, when we talked about Vincent Price on his birthday, uh, I definitely recommend going back and, and seeing this one. 100% agree. Great. Cl- classic Vincent Price film there. All right. I'm just going to list mine off. I'm not going to say, you know, much about them. Um, you should check out 2011's uh, Rites of Spring. I think that's a, a good little movie. Um, 2011 Panic Button from the U.K., uh, Dying Breed from 2008, uh, Mutants from 2009, uh, from Thailand, in two th- starting in 2008. I think there might be three or four of these movies by now. Uh, it's it's technically the title is Phobia, but it's spelled for Bia because it's uh, uh, four segments. It's an anthology. They're anthology films. Uh, those are good. Uh, no Estimas Solo from Peru, which stands for We Are Not Alone. Good little ghost story. Uh, have you guys ever seen From Within? Yes. 2008, you know, it's basically uh, a town in Maryland, which is, you know, where I live. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's something that's causing people to commit suicide and all that. It, it's, it's a decent little movie. Uh, Casadega um, is, is a good movie. Um, and then I wanted to mention, even though these were two things that I mentioned on our year end or best of, I, I just wanted to keep hounding these two movies. Uh, one is, uh, Veronica. There's two movies from 2017 that are technically horror named Veronica. The one that I'm recommending is from Spain. And it is basically a uh, a possession story. Uh, teen girl is uh, possessed after she plays with a Ouija board. It's a good little movie. I enjoyed it. And then uh, an Indian movie. You know, Vin, Vin and I were talking off air about. I don't think there's too many really good Indian horror movies out there. Some of the ones that I've seen can be a little over the top goofy. Uh, but this one is called The House Next Door. Uh, it's it's pretty long. It's two hours and seventeen minutes, but it's it's another possession. Think think like if The Exorcist was, you know, Indian. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's actually a pretty decent movie with a pretty daggone long and and cool uh, exorcism scene. Yeah. So if you want to go to our uh, horrorcast page and also my Mark Nato page, we uh, I did ask. I said honestly, one of the best things about being a horror fan is there is seemingly an endless supply of films to discover. And I, I feel that way. There's, you know, you guys mentioned stuff that I hadn't heard of. I'm going to check out. Uh, 
So I asked, what is a great film you think maybe other horror fans haven't seen? Uh, so right now we've got about 79 comments and we, we've got all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just going to name off a few. Michael Darwin says Devil's Rock. Uh, Zane Hirschberger says um, The Seventh Curse. Midnight Movie. Amusement. Amusement is a great movie uh, with a really, really cool clown scene. Yeah, that's the anthology, right? Uh, is it an anthology? I think it is. It's been a while since I saw it, but that that clown scene stayed with me. And the clown's and on sti- the cover, right? Yeah, the clown's on the cover. The, yeah, the that's clown, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got Babysitter Wanted. That's a good one. Um, the Demon, 1963, Chris Genro. Uh, Dark Heaven. I've never heard of that one. Brotherhood of Satan. It's like this is Max Every. Uh, Brotherhood of Satan, it's like if Manos' Hands of Fate were made by competent filmmakers <laughs> with, good, with, with good actors. Wow. Uh, yeah, American Gothic Saturday Morning Massacre from Rene Ortiz. Uh, Long Weekend, that's a Thai movie. I know that. David uh, Canal, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, of course. Scalpel, Resurrecting the Streetwalker. Never heard of that, but <laughs> if you if you want, you know, check check. I mean, there's probably over 300 movies being mentioned, and there's there's some that I you know have never heard of. The Daisy Chain, The Rejuvenator from 1988. Yeah, haven't heard of a lot of these. So yeah, check those out, and and again. Be glad that you're a horror fan because there is just an endless supply of movies uh, coming out. Like I said, last year there was probably 400 some horror movies. It's every year it's coming out, coming out, and there's so much, and it's hard to get through. So we're going to try to, you know, just highlight some of these things and get these names out of these movies so you can check them out and hopefully they get a little bit more uh, eyes on the film. So, all right, so that's going to do it. Uh, why don't we? Um, Mr. Venom, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? All right. Um, obviously, you can find uh, Mark Nato and myself on the Rad Radio All 80s podcast. Um, <clears throat> um, starting in March, I will be a host on the Theme Warriors podcast with our friend Mike Merriman. That's an exciting opportunity I'm looking forward to. Not necessarily a horror movie podcast, but they basically will pick a theme and then each host will pick a film based on that theme and then it will be discussed to great detail. Um, so I'm looking forward to joining that uh, show. Uh, I'm on the latest episode of the Slice and Dice Dread ta- Dreadcast where we discuss the original Hills Have Eyes and 1989 Society. Um, that that was a very fun episode with uh, Joey Infante, Jim Backus, and uh, Jay Mack, uh, and Bill Casanelli. Um, <clears throat> and then sometime in March, I have a brand new podcast starting up on the Horophilia Network. Unfortunately, I can't really get into too many details on that one, but I will be paired up with uh, some horror heavyweights from the Horophilia Network. And um, we're going to be starting that up sometime in March. I can't even really get into the subject because we're not we're not going to be talking about horror movies, but we're going to be talking about something that isn't discussed too heavily on uh, the Horrorphilia Network. So we're all looking forward to that one. And then, of course, you can always hear me on, you know, uh, alternating episodes of the Horrorcast whenever these guys need me. I am available and ready for them. 
So uh, if you want to hit me up on social media, that's um, on Twitter. I am at Jerry Venom. On Instagram, I am at Venom Horror. On Facebook, I am Mr. Venom. And if you want to drop me an email, you can hit me up at radradiovenom at gmail.com. Sweet. Mr. Venom's busy. I am a busy boy. <laughs> busy. All right, Vin. Tell people uh, where your blog is at and how they can contact you. Yeah, I mean, my blog is uh, thereverentreview.com. Uh, you can find me on our uh, Facebook group page, um, Vin Horrorcast. And... You can email me at therevenantreview at gmail.com. And I'm also on Twitter. I'm at revenantreview. All right. If you want to email us, if you're still into that thing, askthehorrorcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at the HCast. You can check us out on Facebook uh, under the Horrorcast or the Mark Nato LeHue um, page. And, uh, yeah, again, we wanted to say that uh, Walshy had an opportunity that he couldn't pass up to to go be somewhere this week and do something he really wanted to do. I'll keep that private for him. But uh, so he'll he'll be back next episode, and hopefully Hargal Susan will be back next episode. She's uh, still getting things together from a really crazy uh, last couple months for her. So well, the gang should all be back together very soon. But uh, you know, thanks for listening and thanks for being great. I mean, the the numbers are up, man. Things things are looking great for the Hargast for. For 2018, uh, you guys are the greatest listeners ever, and uh, thank you so much for um, some of the emails and, and the uh, the reviews. We will uh, visit those at, on the next episode. So, uh, again, thanks for listening to the HorrorCast, where we're all killer, no filler. Stay scared.